It's good to be with you today, and I want you to turn in Mark chapter 6 and just keep your fingers open there. We're going to look at these key verses and some other verses around it. Let me uh, ask you, show of hands, how many of you have worked so hard that you missed a meal or two? I mean, you just got going on a project, you didn't have time to stop, or you just couldn't. All right, well... That's the picture we see of Jesus and his disciples in Mark chapter 6. They were exhausted on many different fronts. And Jesus said, look guys, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest for a while. Wow, that is a powerful summons from our Lord. I'll bet you can identify with these disciples. How many of you feel you're always behind on work projects. Or maybe I should say, any of you caught up on your work projects? How many of you are always behind on house projects? Yeah, yeah. Kids, man, activities, they, they always morph into some emergency situation. And too many nights, we just flop down, wearied, frazzled, worn out. And if you're like me, waste a lot of time mindlessly watching sports on TV. And I know I can be doing something better with my time. And so I think we need to hear these words of Jesus. Hey, come on. Come away by yourselves to a lonely place. Let's rest for a while. Gosh, we have just finished a very busy season here at the Ridge. Man, we just finished living free. Nine weeks. Congratulations for those of you who made it through. I see diplomas being passed out this morning, you know. We just finished up yesterday boxing up the food and, and the shoe boxes for Christmas. And uh, let me show you just a short video of, of kind of that finished product yesterday. That was awesome yesterday, and uh, you'll see all the food boxes out there that'll be going to families. You'll see all the shoe boxes going out to women who are in transition, all because you spent some time giving the food and coming up here to put that together. Give yourselves a hand on that. I don't think we, we take away from uh, God's honor uh, on that. And what you didn't see maybe on that clip was one family prayed over every one of those boxes. We had children writing notes and coloring things about Jesus, putting in those boxes, writing things on the boxes. I saw two sweet little girls out in the foyer praying over those shoe boxes that the women would receive. I'm going to tell you, we will not know on this side of eternity what God will do through simple things like that. But it's been a, a busy season. And now we're headed into an even busier season. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinners, Advent seasons coming. On top of that, you're preparing to receive relatives or go see relatives. And there will be that certain relative who will enter the picture. Does everyone have a certain relative they deal with during the holidays? If you don't have one, you are that certain relative that 
the rest of the family deals with. I want us to talk about the blessing of rest and reconnection with the Lord, but first of all, I want to get you more exhausted. Nine days from now, nine days, we're going to have our annual Thanksgiving meal with our Korean friends, Nanam Church. There's sign-up sheets in the back here, and, and we need like nine turkeys baked and brought up here by 5 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon uh, to serve. In addition, we need every family to bring two items, okay? If you come, you need to bring two things. One, a vegetable or salad, and two things, vegetables or, and a dessert. That makes sense? Now, the night before, on Monday, we're going to join hands with our Korean brothers and... and uh, we got to set everything up, put out all the tables, the chairs, the decorations. And what I'm hoping is we will match up with another Korean brother and we'll work together and spend 20, 30 minutes actually getting to know someone and working through the language barriers. Then let me uh, get you even a little bit more exhausted. We're going to need some folks to come up here on Tuesday and make gravy and dressing for about 250 people. We're nine days out. That, that's a load. And you're thinking, man, that's just a, a few days before Thanksgiving when family's going to come to town or, or we're going to have to drive hours to go see family and we're going to be in minivan with our kids and all that. Man, they love to travel, don't they? And uh, then we have to hope the Cowboys win on Thursday. And then we got to fight crowds on Black Friday. And then you got to crawl in the attic on Saturday and bring out all the Christmas stuff and, and start that process. And you want us to bake food and come to church and sit with people that I don't even know their language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not finished yet. Three days from now, we have our elder-led prayer, 7 o'clock sharp. I'm going to be really, really bold this morning. I want to ask some of you to take Wednesday afternoon off and spiritually prepare for our prayer time Wednesday night. And if you're one of those who typically works 50 hours a week or more, I'm going to boldly ask that you take the whole day off. I know you're really thinking and want to say out loud, not only is there a mouse in the house, but, you know, David, you're crazy. Yeah, I am. But can I ask you to at least consider it for the next few moments? Open your heart to the Holy Spirit as we look at this scripture. Because the busier we are, those are the times that Jesus calls us to take large chunks of our time off to come and rest and reconnect with him. Let's look at this again. Mark 6, 30 to 32. The apostles gathered together with Jesus. They reported to him all they had done and taught. We'll talk about that in a moment. And, they, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people just coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. Man, I think we need to hear these words. 
ever since I, I was put on the schedule to, to teach this morning, I've been trying to observe the lifestyles of, of our congregation and, and listen to conversations. And, and man, I, I'm saying we're, we're a rushed group. And we can only find rest in parts. And we don't get the whole. Now, you, you can come in here Wednesday evening and spend our prayer time. You can rush in from a busy day, pray for an hour, and you will find rest for your soul. But what if you really took half a day to reconnect with Jesus and spend time with Him? And for you 50 plus hour people, what if you took a whole day and got in a quiet place and got refreshed in your spirit and in your body and in your soul? Now, the biblical concept of rest is not vacation. It's not taking a day off work so you can get caught up on your home projects. It's not slowing down even necessarily to go play golf or catch up on all your pre-recorded TV programs that you haven't had time to look at. This is being with Jesus in a quiet place for the refreshment of your body and soul. Now, as you reconnect with our Savior, He may well call you to do some action, particularly to reconnect with other people. When's the last time some of you had lunch with your child at school? When's the last time some of you just wrote a love letter to your spouse? Come away. Let's rest. Let's slow it down. Let's reconnect. You know, we just finished living free going through Dave, Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial Peace University. And we heard it a million times to live free is to not be a slave to debt. So you have to have a budget to tell your money where to go, right? Anybody remember that? Say yes. <laughs> I got tired of him saying that. Say yes. <laughs> there are a lot of us who are slaves to time. And we're servants to our calendars. And yet we have this 24 hours a day, each of us. There may not be equality in our incomes in this room, but there is equality in time. We all have the same 24 hours, and like our money, we have to have a time budget. We have to tell our time how it's going to be used. So I'm going to be a, a little mini Dave Ramsey this morning. I'll let you be interactive with me here for a sec. In Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Universe, what is baby step number one? $1,000 what? Emergency fund. Yeah. How long does it take to, to get a $1,000 emergency fund? Weeks, months, but that's the goal. Baby step one. Build an emergency fund so when emergency comes, you're not going into debt and all of that. My baby step one <laughs> is to create an hour a day of white space or margin. And it may take a few weeks to get there, but you begin to set some time 
for margin. I, I like the term white space because that's what it looks like on my iPhone. Just white space. There's nothing there. Brenda and I will sit down and compare our calendars. What are you doing today while well, I'm doing this? And I'll go, I don't have anything this afternoon. Because I know good and well, something will come up to take that spot. Just like emergencies happen in our finances, it happens with our time. Somebody's going to wake up sick in the morning. The traffic is going to stack up. An appointment you have, they run late, so it runs your day late and throws it all off. And just like if you don't have this $1,000 emergency fund, you, you have to start juggling bills or go more in debt. If you don't create margin in your life, you're constantly going to be juggling time and emergencies and always exhausted. And Jesus is calling us, hey, come away here. Let's create some time. We're going to rest and we're going to be refreshed for your soul. And you know what some of the greatest days are when, when you've got that little bit of white space and an emergency actually doesn't happen. No one calls. No one needs a last minute anything. And you have an extra hour or 30 minutes to go, now what do I do? To spend with Jesus in the middle of the day. What's baby step two? Boy, we need to do the course again. What's baby step two? Create the debt snowball. You list all your debts. You take the smallest one. You start paying on that till it's paid off. And then you take that money and you start on the next one, right? And you slowly pay those things off. You can do the same thing with your time. You've got all these projects at work, all these projects at home, cleaning out the flower bed or whatever it is, these to-do lists that never disappear. And you take that, that small amount of time, that 30 minutes, you apply it to the least intensive task. When all those weeds are out of the flower bed, you take that 30 minutes, you apply it to the next task. This is being a good steward of the time that God gives us in this world. And just like resources, God owns everything and we are to manage it. God's created time. He stands outside of time. He stands outside of eternity. But he holds us accountable for his time that he gives us in this world. Now, I'm not going to try to be cute and do all these baby steps down the line, but, but you, you get the idea. Pastor uh, Randy Frazee wrote a book some of you might want to take a look at it. It's called Making Room for Life. Randy used to be the pastor at Pentago uh, Bible Church over in Fort Worth. And he calls us back to consider living according to Hebrew Jewish time. Now Hebrew time always started, the day started at 6 p.m. in the evening. That's when the Sabbath started. That's when the day started was 6 p.m. And that comes from a study of Genesis. If you go back and look in Genesis and the creation story, it will always say God created something and it will have this phrase and there was evening and morning day one. It's never morning and evening. And then God created something and there was evening and morning day two, day three, so on. So the Jewish mindset that he calls us to consider where it's where the day starts at 6 
p.m. And he encourages us to start the day focused, as the Jewish people did, with a family meal. That's a task in itself some days, isn't it? Just getting the family together for a meal. And celebrating what God is calling us to do. And then you go to bed to rest up for the work he calls you to the next day. Not resting up from the exhaustion that you've experienced. It's just, it's just a switch of how the Old Testament looked at life. And then hopefully you'll do as Jesus did. Where his habit was he got up early in the morning while it was dark. Spent time with the Father. And then you work from 6 to 6. It's an interesting way of being a good steward of your time. But as we study this scripture in Mark 6, even these disciples who were probably following that kind of a, a, a philosophy and timetable, their schedules got so out of whack that Jesus has to say, wait a minute here. This is not what you were intended for. Let's pull away. Now, why were these disciples exhausted? Why were they in need of rest? Why did Jesus say, hey, let's get away and reconnect? Well, if you have your Bibles, you, you can go backwards with me. And the preceding verses, we're going to get this interlude about the death of John the Baptist. Now, we don't know if this interlude, if it was one week before, three months before, six months before. But Mark puts it in his gospel right here to tell us about the death of John the Baptist. And to make the story a little concise for you, King Herod had made this drunken and lustful promise to a dancer. And he said that he would give her anything she wanted. And she and her mother conspired against John the Baptist because mom hated John the Baptist because he called her out on her sinful lifestyle. They wanted John dead. And that was a request. Now, now King Herod, he, he's trapped. He, he really didn't want to do this. He, he's fearful that even John the Baptist has been risen from the dead. But he couldn't go back on his word. And he couldn't, you know, be in a position where he couldn't save face. So here's what the scripture says in verse 26. The king was greatly distressed because of his oaths. And his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And the man went, beheaded John in prison, brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. And on hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Like I say, we're not sure of the time frame on this. The time events are unclear, but I think it's safe to say that part of the exhaustion that was being experienced by the disciples, certainly with Jesus, was just the grief, the loss of a loved one. Now, Jesus was going to experience this much more than perhaps the 12 disciples because he was very close to John. They were relatives. John paved the way for the Messiah. Jesus had high respect for John. In fact, he said in, in Matthew uh, eleven eleven, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So there has to be a measure of grief and disappointment 
and, and discouragement and all those things are exhausting to us, right? Don't these things wear on us emotionally and ultimately physically and mentally? I think there is a measure of grieving and disappointment in our congregation this morning. I know of at least two of us here this morning who lost spouses in the last few months. Some of you have lost a job. Some of you, as I keep my ear to the ground, feel a relationship that is drifting and slipping away again for the second, third time. Some of us are grieving over health issues. Some of us are just discouraged or fearful of circumstances. And we need to hear Jesus saying, come on, come away, let's get some rest and refreshment. Now I want you to know that our elders are on top of this. We have a great group of elders and here's what's going to come down on, on Wednesday evening when you show up at 7 o'clock sharp. We are growing in our practice of prayer as a church together. Now, we're not there yet, but we are growing. And so what I'm asking is after you've spent the day resting, relaxing with Jesus, maybe you even started your day at 6 p.m. with a fast food meal to get here by 7, is to come and we're going to meet and we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask some of us just to come to the altar and we're going to pray uh, for the solid hour. Now, don't let that scare some of you because some of us can't do that yet. But I do believe God is raising up some prayer warriors, some intercessors, and it won't be a problem for them to come and, and pray for a solid hour at the altar. Um, I'm going to give it a shot. Somebody else want to give it a try? Just see, see you know, where we are. Now, a lot of us can't do that. That's, that's okay. So we may be sitting in the pews and, and the elders will guide us through stages of prayer. And these are the topics where there's going to be a time of confession, time of petition, intercession, thanksgiving, and praise. And as you know, if you've been here, when you have some structure to it, that hour goes fast. And everybody goes, wow, I, I didn't know we could pray for an hour. It, it goes quickly. I'm going to ask some of you to come prepared with a Bible verse on one of those subjects just to, to be able to stand up and, and read out loud as we've done uh, in, in the past. So in some of your quiet time and refreshment with the Lord, God will lay scripture on your verse, but he may even say, you know, this isn't just for you. I want you to share it with the congregation as well. During our prayer time, elders will be various corners and, and spots here in the auditorium. And they're going to be there so that you can come to one of our elders and be prayed over and prayed for. For you to come and, and bring your griefs and your hurts and your fears and your exhaustions and let an elder pray for you. They're going to be able to spend quality time with you. This is going to be yeah, tell me what's going on. Let's pray real quick and get to the next person. They'll have time. 
We've got enough elders to do this. They'll be ready to anoint you with oil for healing if you desire. Come ready. It might just be, wouldn't this be awesome, that you come to prayer time already healed? After having half a day, a full day of resting and reconnecting with Jesus, oh my, what, you know, what could happen? Prayer time might just turn into praise time. Instead of lining up to confess our sin and confess our exhaustions and our, our griefs, we might be lining up to tell our elders what God has done. And that fire up some elders, fire this church up. I think part of the exhaustion that we're trying to unfold here in Mark 6 was just grieving exhaustion. The one I'm certain of, though, if we go all the way back to verse 7, is they were exhausted from hard work. It was kingdom work, but it's hard work. And he summoned the twelve, talking about Jesus. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey. You won't hear that from Dave Ramsey. You're not taking anything. Except a mere staff. You're not going to take any food, no bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Sandals to wear, not even going to take an extra change of clothes. Do not take two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. And they went out and they preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. Man, we don't have time to unpack all the truths in this passage, but let me hit some, some highlights here. Uh, first of all, what comes to mind as I read this is, evangelism is best done in community with another person or persons. Sometimes think, we think that evangelism is always something we do as an individual. But even if you think you're all alone, God usually has other people. So, when, when you're talking to a friend and, and that chance comes up to present the gospel, you present the gospel. But chances are God already has some other people in this person's life. We're all chains in, 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 uh, or links in the chain uh, in bringing salvation to the, to the world. I had a, a lunch with one of our young men this week and he was so excited. He said, now... There's a tragedy that's happened. I'm not excited about that, but I'm excited because of this. A friend of his that he's been praying for by name for a year, year and a half, finally hit life's bump, one of those bumps. And now this friend is open to spiritual things. He said, I, I'm ready to share the gospel with him. And this particular issue, I got somebody else at church who can speak to that issue. I'm like, good. <laughs> I want you praying about it. I want our elder. Yeah, we're getting people involved in this. Now, more than likely, he's going to be the one that will lead his friend to faith in Christ. 
but it is a community effort. And so Jesus sends them out two by two. The historian Josephus tells us that there may have been up to 204 villages that the disciples visited. 204 villages in the Galilean area. And most scholars believe that this was done in a very short period of time. They visited all these communities no more than six months, probably less. This was hard work, round-the-clock work. The intensity of this, the labor expended was exhausting. And I didn't think about this until last night. They were without Jesus for up to six months. Jesus wasn't with them. They were instructed to take very little supplies. They're going to have to trust God and the goodness of others to meet their basic needs. Now, if, if Jesus had told you to do this, hey, I want you and you, you're going to go and do this. Do you think there might be a few days where you're a little bit tense about how life's going to happen? That you would have to live up to six months with no income, no money in your belt, no baby step three where you got three to six months savings. Totally dependent upon God and the hospitality of strangers you haven't even met. How taxing would that be on you? They were given authority over unclean spirits. I don't know how many of you have ever been engaged in spiritual warfare. Let me tell you, it's exhausting. That's hard work. And the enemy will fight back and try to pound you emotionally and physically in other ways. It's hard work. Now on top of that, they didn't get to preach anything they wanted to. They had to preach the king's message. And that was a message of repentance. Have you discovered that repentance is not a popular message in any age or culture? This would be like you having a business product to go out and sell. Selling something that nobody wants and most people would despise to have. Repentance. And John the Baptist was beheaded because he preached repentance to royalty. This is hard work. Can I pause? Let, let me add a little bit more to your plate this week. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pile it on. You're going to need a lot of white space this week. <laughs> ask you to support our missionaries in Mexico and Serbia and France. By the way, our missionaries in France, they're four hours by car removed from Paris. They're safe from this. But I don't think I can say it too many times. The main church, Action Biblique, in the middle of Lyon is surrounded with a large Muslim population. The new church that just started a few months ago in Trevoux, 
they have purposely chosen to meet in an old grocery store at the base of a huge Muslim high-rise. I mean, they are storming the gates of hell, folks. We could talk about Serbia, we could talk about Mexico, but we need to support them, first of all, by just praying for them. And I don't say just, because prayer is powerful if we take it seriously. And that would be a part of Wednesday night. Man, we've we got to pray. I'm going to ask you to support them by giving generously financially of our upcoming Advent offering. I don't know what that is. It's, it's all going to be released here in the next few weeks, I'm sure, by our elders. I want to ask you to support our missionaries by emailing them. If you don't have their email addresses, I'll give it to you. Don't ask me today. Email me because there's too many hallway conversations I'll forget. You see, it's one thing to pray for someone, but it's something else when you pray and take some action and email them and communicate it to them. They love to get emails. And it doesn't have to say a whole lot. It can just be, I prayed for you today. But there'll be those times where there'll be something God puts on your heart and there'll be a particular verse that you'll pray over them. you say, man, I prayed this psalm over you. I prayed these verses. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just felt led to pray these things. They take it seriously. They love it. Just to know they're loved and they're remembered. This kind of work that Jesus called his disciples to do and what our missionaries do it can be exhausting kingdom work. Better yet, support them by going and serving with them. So as you're working through your snowball debts and all that, put, put mission trips on your Christmas list. Put mission trip on your birthday list. Build it into your budget. Support our missionaries by going and serving with them. Now there's a bright spot in all of this because the disciples were given authority over the spiritual entities. And as a result, they saw a lot of victories. Demons were cast out. Sick people were healed. This was a special, exciting time. It was an awesome experience. But it was still exhausting. There is such a thing as good fatigue. But it's fatigue nonetheless. So let's look at our main verses one more time. After this six months itinerary, 204 villages being separated from Jesus himself, the emotional impact, the death of John the Baptist, now Jesus speaks to their very souls. The apostles gathered together with Jesus. Does that have a little more impact to it now? With Jesus. And they reported to him all they had done and taught. That was exciting. And I think he was excited with them and he nodded and he said to them, that's great. Now come. Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. 
because people were still coming and going. They still didn't even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. If any of this resonates with you this morning, then the Holy Spirit is speaking deep to your soul. Jesus saying, come away. Let's rest. Reconnect. My prayer as one of your staff members is that you'll not just attend our Wednesday night prayer time. My prayer is you'll create a hunk of time, perhaps even the whole day, to rest and reconnect with Jesus. We come to our time of communion this morning. It's a weekly reminder of our need to reconnect with our Master. And you know, it's possible that there are some here this morning and it might have been six months since you've really connected with the Lord. And you might have even been coming to church during that time. It happens to us. But each of us are given 24 hours a day to spend not as we wish or how someone else wishes it for us. There's a good bit of control that we have in our time. And then in our lifespan, only God has that figured out. But taking those regular small minutes each day, several moments each day, large hunks of time to rest and reconnect with Jesus. Let's bow our heads and let's uh, pray together. We prepare our hearts to connect with the Lord. If you're a guest this morning, if you're a believing follower of Christ, you're welcome to come and share in communion with us. If you're a guest this morning, we hope you would drop in the offering plate your um, comment card, your prayer request. Let us pray for you. We're honored that you would come to the ridge this morning. Our members, we come and give freely of our financial resources. But just to be refreshed, to make whatever commitments God is calling to us this morning, to be refreshed and connect with the master of us all.